When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. Yeah, good evening, everyone. Jill's with you this Wednesday night, Higher Ground. Great to be back in the chair after a whirlwind fortnight with the Comp Games. Welcome along to wherever you are tuned in. SEN 1170 in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast, and anywhere across the globe via the SEN app if you'd like to join in on the program. Well, guess what I'm all ears? The open line number 1300. 01170 and the text line 0457 736 736. Simon McLaughlin, he's the deputy editor of the Daily Telegraph, will join me shortly to have a look at tomorrow's back pages. And Alex the Seal, aka the Mad Russian, aka Mulchi, will run us through another round of agree to disagree. Uh, the text line number, I'll read it out to you again 0457 736 736. Well, the Roosters have confirmed that Sam Verrills will depart the club at the conclusion of the 2022. NRL season. So it's long been speculated. It was just a question of where. And the Telegraph said last month he would be leaving to take up a two-year opportunity with the Gold Coast Titans. That is official. He's a good player, Sam Verrills. He's been in good form too the last month or so. But his exit, of course, relates to the arrival of the big cheese, Brandon Smith, moving from the Storm to Bondi next year. And he said, look, the Roosters have been a big part of my life. I'll always be grateful to Robbo, the players and the staff at the club. And for the memories and, and on it goes. Good to have his future sorted. Focus on the rest of the year. All, all the stuff you'd expect him to say. Justin Holbrook's a big fan, obviously. They must have sold it pretty well. Not exactly a destination club at the moment, the Titans. But Holbrook said, look, Sam's got great vision. Real threat from that hooker position. And learned his craft under Origin Hook and Jake Friend. This is the guy that won a premiership after, what, 14 games, I think, in 2019. And I think he's got his best footy ahead of him, Sam Verrills. That's quite the coup. That is quite the coup. You couple that with the arrival of four, and you just think that, you know, that kind of experience and premiership experience will just solidify that team. Because that's what they lack this year, particularly in the halves. You know, you factor those two players in, and then you've got, obviously, you know, Jaden Campbell, AJ Brimson, you know, Tino and Mo, and these sorts of players. Maybe they still get the best out of Fafita. Uh, it's a more competitive-looking side, certainly, just rattling off some of those names. Because their struggle for a consistent nine. I know Aaron Booth, they know they rated him reasonably highly, Aaron Booth. He's got a bit of cheek, but he's injury-prone. Verrills has only played 43 top-grade games. It just seems like he's been around for longer than that. Obviously, he's had his fair share of injuries. He did that knee. Uh, but, yeah, it's a move entirely understandable with Brandon Smith joining the club, and he's a starting player. Just a shame my Dragons couldn't get him to Wollongong. I know that... I think they threw their hat in the ring. There's a bit of chat that Andrew McCulloch might hang up the boots a year early. And still on league, Canberra officials hope that Ricky Stewart uses the next week to, quote-unquote, recharge the batteries after he was hit with a one-match ban and a $25,000 fine for that dramatic verbal attack on Penrith's Jamin Salmon. Pretty much every man and his dog has had something to say about it. So in case you missed it, this is what's happening. He's going to be banned from all training 
and Sunday's game against the Dragons, including any contact via phone to his assistants in the coach's box before reporting to work next Wednesday morning. So he's got to keep away. Can't talk to them anything. Do you reckon he's going to secretly circumvent that? Maybe they tap the phones. How would they know? How do they monitor that, I wonder? Remember when Flano was meant to stay away from the Sharks and he was sort of doing some wheeling and dealing in the background? It's, it's hard to turn that inner coach off, isn't it? It'd be hard for Ricky not being on the sideline. Is that a help or a hindrance for the Dragons, I wonder? It's really difficult to say, but, you know, he needed to be suspended as a minimum. And, look, mathematically, both teams are still a chance. Dragons on 20, Raiders on 22. Form-wise, they probably don't deserve to make it. Raiders are a better place than St. George Illawarra, but uh, they're going to have to win if they want to stay in finals contention. Now, does anyone think Isaiah Papali'i won't be at the Tigers next year? Anyone? Anyway, I'll bet my bottom dollar he will be there. He doesn't sound particularly enthused, though, does Big Puppy, does he? But this is the trade-off of the NRL's current signing rules. This is the trade-off. All right. You want to secure your future a year out? Fine. Okay, if the rules allow it, go for it. But understand this, a lot can happen in that time. And there's a lot of water can go under the bridge. Coaches can be sacked, can have personnel changes. And, hey, while your current club might magically find more money, there might be a premature retirement. Who knows? Well, too bad. Too bad because you signed a contract with that knowledge and you need to honour it. But still, if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm looking at that and I go, I'd like a bit more enthusiasm. Or just don't say it at all. Just say, yeah, I'll see out the season with the Eels and I'll hit the ground running next year. But I think you'll be there. And still on the Tigers, I saw this on Fox Sports website. What about Adam Dewey? He revealed that he pushed to be sent to the Storm on a loan deal last month, but the Tigers, well, they put the kibosh on that. And he said on NRL 360, Dewey, I first found out about it uh, through the media and didn't look too much into it. I left it with my manager and the club's hierarchy. Then my manager called me and discussed the options and what Melbourne were offering for me to go down there for the rest of the season. And he said, on a personal level, I thought it would be a good opportunity for me to go down. Well, he would say that. Spend two months there, learn under them, play some finals footy, bring it back to our club, hopefully come back a better player was the option I looked into, but the club wasn't a fan of it. Well, I wonder why. He's been missing for half the year. He's their star player. He said, no, 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 no. You, you stick solid with us, mate. <coughs> Interesting, though, isn't it? I can actually see this from both sides. I don't think we can question Dewey's commitment to his junior club, but his reasoning on the surface is sound. But if I'm the Tigers, there's no way I'm letting him play, and they didn't let him play. As I said, he's been injured. Come back into the side, get some games with your teammates under your belt and hit the ground running for 2023. Now, Serena Williams has announced that she will, she doesn't retire, she doesn't care for that word, quote-unquote, evolve away from tennis. Whatever that means. After this year's US Open, a focus on other things that are important to me. She's done a big article with Vogue. It's very Serena. This whole thing just reeks of Serena. The 23-time Grand Slam winner said that although she will try to win the US Open, it's time for her to move in a different direction. She said there comes a time in life when we have to decide to move in a different direction. And the title of the Vogue article was Serena's Farewell, I'm Terrible at Goodbyes. I enjoy tennis, but now the countdown has begun and, yeah, focus on being a mum and all that kind of stuff. She's 40 years of age. And the announcement came a day after the 40-year-old won her first singles match in 430 days, Serena. 
played her first singles match in over a year at Wimbledon in June. She went down to France's Harmony Tan and afterwards hinted that she could play on on home soil at the US Open. That starts August 29. She says, she says, I never liked the word retirement. It doesn't feel like a modern word to me. She wrote in the magazine article. What's wrong with the word retirement? Maybe the best word to describe what I'm up to is evolution. I'm here to tell you that I'm evolving away from tennis. Just say you're retiring because you're getting on. You've got kids. That's fine. Nobody begrudges you that. You're brilliant. She said she wasn't ready to win Wimbledon. I don't know if I'll be ready to win New York, but I'm going to try. Well, that's good. She made a pro debut in 1995. That is quite astonishing. It's going to be weird, isn't it, to have a, a women's tour without any Williams. 73 career singles titles, 23 doubles titles, two mixed doubles titles, 39 grand slam titles, mix of singles and doubles, 23 in singles, 14 in doubles, two mixed doubles. And it looks like she's forever going to remain one shy of the all-time record held by Australian Margaret Court. Interestingly, just on that, she goes, there are people who say I'm not the GOAT because I didn't pass Margaret Court's record of 24 Grand Slam titles, which she achieved before the Open era began in 68. <laughs> dig, dig. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want that record. I do, but I'm not thinking about her. Well, you just mentioned her. The way I see it, I should have 30-plus Grand Slams. I had my chances. I went from a C-section and on she goes... Shoulda, coulda, woulda is what she said. Didn't get there. Didn't show up the way. I should. Hey, look, I, I won't bore you with the details, but it seems to dig at a bygone era, but maybe who cares? I mean, Serena, even though she's one short of court, is the greatest female ever, uh, greatest ever female player. And they played in a time of much greater depth. And she was transformative. But she does things in her way. You know, she's very me, 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 Serena. Oh, it's not a knock. It's just an observation. She loses. Yeah, I didn't play my best today. It sort of doesn't really give credit to anybody else. It's all about her. Anyway, good luck to her. Now, there's a bit going on in Live Golf. I have some more to say about that later on in the program. Suffice to say that those that have been listening to me for some time will know I'm not a fan of the tour and what it stands for. And they've had a loss of sorts in the US Federal Court today in California. So Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones, Hudson Swafford, have been denied a request to play in the US PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs. Good. So US District Court Judge, uh, Judge Beth Lapson Freeman made the ruling after a hearing, this was in San Jose, and said she did not believe the players would suffer, and I quote, irreparable harm if they were not allowed to play, which is a vital legal, sta- legal standard to securing a temporary restraining order. And basically said, well, when you signed with Liv, you knew that there are going to be restrictions played by the tour, but you are compensated accordingly. Gee, they've got some kahunas trying that on, haven't they? Do they all want to play less golf? Now they want to have a crack at the FedEx. Well, too bad. You made your bed in light, and now you've got to line it. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. 0457 736 736. That is the text line number. Just before we get to Simon McLaughlin, this was sad news overnight. You would have heard this. And that being the... The death of former international cricket umpire Rudy Kurtzen. He died in a car accident in South Africa. Uh, 73. Was on the ICC's elite panel of umpires for eight years. Officiated in 331 matches. A record at the time of his retirement back in 2010. That has since been passed by Pakistan's Alim Dar. But he'll always be remembered, Rudy, for that famous slow finger of death. In a veer, is, is it out? Wait for it. Wait, it's still going. It's still going. That bolt straight arm and up it goes. It, just, uh, it was a slow finger of death.
Yeah, terrible news. Terrible news. But just on that, he said, well, he used to fold his arms, right? He used to fold his arms. And then somebody appealed and he's unfold his arms. And they don't do that because they think you're going to give them out when he's not. So he changed from the arm folding to hands clasped behind the back. And so what he wants to give them out takes a bit longer to unclasp the hands and slowly raise the flag. Anyway, rest in peace, Rudy Kurtz. And 0457 736 736, the text line number. Okay, let's do this. As we do with each and every Wednesday night on High Ground, we check in with Simon McLaughlin, the Deputy Sports Editor of The Daily Telegraph. He's on the line right now. Morning, Smack. Morning. Morning. I did mornings on Monday. I don't know. It's morning, noon and night. Uh, let's try that again. Good evening, Simon. It's definitely evening. I'm looking out the window. It's pretty dark. Yes. Uh, thanks, Jules. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, Rudy Kurtz, it's pretty sad, isn't it? Uh, this is a thing with these umpires. I mean, I'm old enough but also young enough to try on the umpire impersonations. I think people sort of, you know, would mock Billy Bowden with a hook finger. But I think everybody at some point, you know, whether it be backyard cricket, would say, oh, I'm going to do the Rudy here. And just the, you can see, there it is. There's the arm coming up. Bolt straight, coming up, coming up. The slow finger of death. 73 card crash. Sad stuff. Yeah, it is really sad. I mean, one of, that is one of the cool things about cricket is how the umpires had their different styles. And, um, yeah, his was definitely unique. Um, you know, uh, it was a great nickname, wasn't it? Because he, he was really painstaking for the uh, whoever uh, Rudy gave out. <laughs> Um, and yeah, really, really suddenly missed. That's that's a real shame. That news. What was the other one? I tried? Steve Bucknell. You know, say say Warnie had boldly pleading for an LB, and he and he'd take an eternity and just sort of casually nod the head. Then finally, you know, he's got that five seconds of pause. What what? what then he nod, and then put the finger up. Mm. That'd be horrible if you're a bad. Well, well, Bucknell was was my favourite umpire, and then my least favourite umpire because he went from being sort of, you know, cool and laconic to seeming like he didn't really know what he was doing at the end. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, oh, yes. Uh, but, yeah, farewell, Rudy. Yeah, Morgan Freeman. Yes, Steve Bucknell. Now, <laughs> you know, uh, let me t- let me tell you this. A bloke at my local coffee shop, Mad Shark's Nut. Mad Shark's Nut. Mm. He was getting a bit cocky. This was earlier in the year, just before the election. And so the, the, the boss said, listen, can you play a trick on just tell him that the sharks are facing a salary cap crisis, and so I told him, "Hey, mate, I'm just you know chatting a couple of journos at work. It hasn't come out, but but word has it that the sharks are in a bit of salary." And he goes, "Oh, really?" So, oh no, and he's freaking out about it. Scott Morrison, the former prime minister, was in the electorate doing the rounds. Popped into the coffee shop, and of course, the sharks fan, being the member of Cook, mm. so <laughs> said person goes up to the then prime minister and says. Hey, did you hear the sharks are in salary cap trouble? Next thing you know, this has escalated very, very quickly. So tell me, are they really facing a salary cap crisis on the eve of the finals now? Yes, they really are. Oh, no. It's uh, it's look, this is something that happens in in the NRL where a little bit of success and you find yourself sort of struggling to keep your stars. And we're talking about the back five in particular. So uh, Will Kennedy. Sione Katoa, Jesse Ramey, and Cephas Talakai. So they're a pretty red-hot set of outside backs that the Sharks have got. 
Um, and you've got Talakai who hit um, origin level this year and Militalo who's been picked for uh, the Kiwis. In fact, four of those five that I just said might actually play in the World Cup this year. Um, and their prices have all gone up accordingly. Um, so come November 1, uh, when most of those guys might be overseas, uh, <laughs> you know, representing their various countries and heritage nations, um, uh, that, you know, their club might be sort of pretty keen to talk to them and unable to. Um, it sort of hinges a lot on um, uh, what Andrew Cedar and Wade Graham do. So they take up a lot of the shark salary cap, uh, both on about 800 a year. Um, there's a suggestion that Andrew Fafita might retire next year, although if you've seen him play recently, he sort of seems like he might have, there's a little bit of life left in him. Mm. Uh, and Wade Graham uh, is after a one-year extension. I, I know people are trying to kind of shift Wade Graham off to France because uh, his wife speaks French and all this sort of stuff. But apparently he wants to stay for another year. So those are the sorts of problems that the Sharks are dealing with. And it's, it is one of those things where the more success you have, the more your salary cap situation potentially suffers. Uh, I'd, you'd want to keep all of them uh, in some form. Uh, mm. Will Kennedy, probably in the form of his life, and uh, Jesse Rainian has become a really devastating centre. And um, Talakai, although he had a pretty bad... Um, Origin experience is a pretty handy player for the club club level. So, yeah, this is this is what clubs have to deal with. Obviously, Penrith deal with it. Yeah, had to deal with yeah. it quite severely in recent times. Yeah, well, exactly. Um, this is fascinating, isn't it? So, when are these respective players off contract, though, Simon? Is is it um, okay, the end so, of next year, so people can start chatting yes, from November one? This is the issue. These sorts of discussions and these sorts of stories. Basically, are brought forward a year, aren't they? Because mm. clubs can negotiate with these five guys on November one. So yeah, the five back five. Uh, sorry, yeah, the, the, those backs are signed up for next year. But yes, they they could be um, signed by other cl- other clubs for two thousand twenty four as November one. I just wonder what Sharks fans would have to say about this. You know, who do you absolutely? Have to keep non-negotiable. I reckon that also Will Kennedy, uh, that breakout year last mm. year, great this year, and sort of guy that you'd assume is only going to get better. Katoa's a natural finisher. Mulatalo's in career best form. Metallica's been revitalised, been picked in the centres. I mean, it's it's a tough question. It's a really tough question. Mm. Um, but then mm. somebody's got to cop the squeeze, and you know, do you risk losing a, a utility of the calibre of a Connor Tracy? I mean, I I don't know. Look, I don't want to bang on too much about the Sharks. I've been a Dragons fan. It's uh, you know. World's smallest violin playing for their problems. I'd love to be in their position right about now. We'll leave it at that. Now, my birthday is December 15, and each time it comes around, I said, you know what? I share it with Greg Mo Matthews, Carl Hooper, uh, Timmy Webster, George Danikian, and Frankie Dettori. Now, has he somehow ridden that elusive Melbourne Cup winner? Is that what you're telling me? We've got a story tomorrow from Racing Ray Thomas who reveals that Frankie will finally get the chance to ride an actual Melbourne Cup winner. He won't be the guy on the back of the horse as it crosses the uh, the line. But, uh, yeah, he's he's been uh, signed on to ride very elegant in um, France. Uh, 
in only a few weeks, actually, uh, a couple of weeks, sorry. Um, so, yeah, Frankie Dutori, that long list of people that you share a birthday with are all incredibly popular people in Australia, I would say. I can't remember all of the names you just mentioned. But Frankie <laughs> Dutori is probably, for me, one of the least popular people in Australia. Yes. Because every time he comes to uh, ride in the Melbourne Cup, well, you know, he loses, let's face it. Um, he's been here 17 times. Is it's it that many? Second it? twice. It's been 17. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realise it was that much. But generally speaking, you know, people second. are, yeah, punders are wary of overseas jockeys, right? Different style of riding and, you know, and, and racing mm. and different tracks. And we've had them on, you know, that um, the Delta Blues, obviously, Vintage Crop um, was the first, but there's sort of few and far in between, yeah. really. Yeah. Well, look, I. It's really hard to pick a Melbourne Cup winner, as most people know. And there used to be a few red lines. You know, there's certain barriers that have never won. You put a red line through it. Um, uh, You know, this sounds bad, but a female jockey up until 2016 had never won. So you used to put a line through that. Um, And in fact, Frankie Dettori was probably pretty uh, instrumental in uh, helping Michelle Payne win that Melbourne Cup, where he took out half the field behind her... uh, the way for uh, Prince of Penzance. He was on Max Dynamite, came second that that year, his equal best result. But yeah, so look, Frank Dutori is huge, is, you know, the most famous jockey in the world and the best in Europe. So having very elegant ridden by Frank Dutori in Europe is a bit of a coup, I would say. Um, And if the horse does well, it's a 2,000 metre race for the pre-Jean Romanee, mm. um, then the owners want to keep it um, on target for the pre-Arctic Trio, which is the number one race in Europe. Yeah. And I think everyone uh, in Australasia um, would love to see very elegant uh, go for that in October. That'd be amazing. That would be huge, wouldn't it? That'd be really huge. Oh, generally speaking, it's always very difficult. We, we love it when Aussie horses have success overseas. I mean, I'm old enough to remember better loosen up winning the Japan Cup in, oh, what is, was it 91, 92? It might have been from memory. Um, I can't remember that. Yeah. 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 Strawberry Road, which had Queensian connections, which is my hometown. Uh, part owners in Strawberry Road were uh, from Queensian. 1990, it was. I've been told. I was close. Oh, I'm rusty. I'm rusty. Yeah, 1990. Mm, that's not bad. Yes. I feel like I should know that. I'm going to mark myself down. Yeah, and of course the famous salmon with the black spots with Luke Nolan on board. Remember that one? Uh, yes. Black, black caviar. caviar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, I can't forget. I couldn't tell if you were questioning me on it. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Now, South Sydney, um, this stadium mm. war it doesn't seem like it's going to abate anytime soon. Left without a home ground for next season, is that right? Yeah, look, this is a big story, so big that the general news part of the newspaper stole it from the sports section, ran it up front. Uh, That's a sign of a big story. Um, Yeah, look, at the moment, South Sydney are desperate to move to the new Allianz Stadium next year and are being blocked by the New South Wales government. Um, South signed, only last year, signed a long-term agreement to stay at uh, Homebush, um, on the proviso that well, the Souths were thinking that, that the um, Homebush would be getting a lot more money uh, to improve the facilities out there, but in fact, they're getting none. So um, 
Um, they they're kicking up a stink, and they and they want to know why they're being sort of stranded in this situation where they're ready to sort of sell uh, season tickets and corporate mm. um, box seats and stuff for next season, and they actually don't really know which ground they're going to be playing at. I, I think most people think it makes sense that South would be playing at the new Allianz Stadium, which is you know just up the road from yeah. uh, Redfern Oval. Um, is there any but, what, what's, what's the biggest impediment at the moment for them returning to Alliance? Is there well, one? It's literally because because venues New South Wales is a government agency that runs all of these stadiums. They can hold South to the contract that they've signed. Mm. So um, uh, South are pretty much relying on you know like a breach of contract situation where they can argue that the government's letting them down by not improving. Uh, Homebush, you know, we only signed with Homebush because we thought it would be improved and now it's not going to be improved. So we went out and we went up the road. I've heard this before. It's like, yes, we promised Mm. the grand final of Sydney because we were told that we'd get X hundred million dollars in stadium funding. But, you know, I wonder if South Mm. had a handshake agreement (laughs) because that can change everything. People are now saying, a handshake agreement is legally binding, I wonder. Yeah, PBL, ask him about it. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of a core stadium, but um, I don't like going there to watch club games with 10,000 people. It, it feels absolutely empty. It mm. feels hollow. It feels like an aircraft hangar. Uh, you know, I feel like it's it's a much better fit for them. They're back at Allianz Stadium. I really do. Allianz. Yeah, well, I mean, South Sydney uh, CEO Blake Solly says he, he sort of doesn't understand. It's like, well, you've just put eight hundred million dollars into a brand new stadium, Allianz. Mm. We're keen to play there. Yeah. Um, what's the problem? Yeah. So um, I guess the New South Wales government doesn't is a bit sensitive to the sort of the the vibe that the core stadium is a white elephant, and if there's only one NRL team playing there, um, then that sort of strengthens that view. Yeah, it does. It does. Anyway, it's a pretty fascinating discussion, and I'm sure an ongoing discussion. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. As always, we'll catch those stories in the Daily Telegraph tomorrow. Cheers, Jules. There he is, Simon McLaughlin, Deputy Sports Editor of the Daily Telly. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. Where should South Sydney play? And then on top of that, the, the salary cap squeeze for the Cronulla Sharks, 0457 736 736. We'll take a break. Look, I love women, so I'm going to talk about them momentarily. The first relates to Lauren Jackson. What a comeback story this is. 41 years of age, Lauren Jackson, included in Australia's 12-strong Opals team for this year's Women's World Cup, the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup. This is nine years after she retired. Not started, retired, Lauren Jackson. Very emotional. She retired in 2016. She had chronic injury after a Hall of Fame career in Australia and the States. She was asked about it. She said she didn't honestly know if her body would hold up to the rigours of international basketball again. And she, Sandy Brondello, the coach, said making the final cut is difficult. Everyone's talking about Lauren, and understandably so. So that this long journey, this long road back, began with this local team, Albury. And she thought, oh, I'll just get through a couple of games. And then, because she's Lauren Jackson, you know, she was absolutely and utterly dominant. She said, oh, maybe we've got something here. She's got the size. And now she's hoping to help the Opals out of the team's rich World Cup legacies. They won silver in 2018, bronze 2014, gold in 2006. Her fifth World Cup appearance after last playing in 2010. That is quite the comeback story. That is a comeback for the ages. It's good all of a sudden she's healed. 
She's 41. Got a part to play. I mean, she's Australia's greatest ever basketball player, without question. And while we're on female athletes, so this news just broke late this afternoon. That relates to Aussie cricket captain Meg Lanning. She's taking an indefinite break from cricket, citing personal reasons. And this, is, of course, is in the wake of her team's Commonwealth Games goal. She's withdrawn from the 100 tournament in England. No timeline except for her return, Meg Lanning. So she's 30. She's in her prime. Freak bat. Best bat on the planet. National team captain since 2014. In recent years, she's overseen a run of, well, unsurpassed success. A couple of T20 World Cups, the 50-over World Cup in New Zealand this year. Gold medal in Birmingham. And she just said, look, after a busy couple of years, I made the decision to take a step back to enable me to spend time focusing on myself. So, so vague. She's an intensely private person, Meg Lanning. She said, I'm grateful for the support of Cricket Australia and my teammates and ask that my privacy is respected during this time. Well, we wish her well, Meg. She, I'm sure she wouldn't have taken that decision lightly, but an indefinite break from the game. The world's premier batter, an Australian captain. So I hope that there's, uh, I guess, nothing deeper running there and she just sort of is mentally exhausted, which is understandable. Get some time off and refresh and come back bigger and better than ever. Flick us a text or send me, yeah, send me a text or give me a call 0457736736, the text line number. And that open line, one three hundred zero one. 11.70, you're with Jules and Highground. Hope everyone's having a great Wednesday evening. Uh, we've sort of a bit of a Commonwealth Games fatigue. It was a wonderful week and a half, wasn't it? Uh, congratulations and well done to Matthew White and, and the Missile for keeping us all up to date. Uh, Matty White is an absolute pro. So Matty White was doing that, the late night shift. So I was jumping in for Matt. And then I did some late night stuff and he, we're all over the place. So I think you forgive me to saying, for saying to Simon McLaughlin, good morning. Yeah, don't worry, the mad Russian's in a similar boat as well. 0457 736 736, the text line number. What's going on? We can keep each other company. Julian King in the chair on SEN 1170 Sydney, SENQ 693 in Brisbane and 1620 on the Gold Coast for higher ground. Time for this. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. All right. Sparring partner. Good evening to you, by the way, Mad Rush. Good evening, Jules, and congratulations to you, too. What you for? hosted three nights of Commonwealth Games, slotted in Did seamlessly. Oh. Yes. Like I said, you know, by night three, once you get your head around all the competitors and what they've won in their backstories, Recapping you can just riff scores, about it. Yeah, times, you know, I've become a convert. You know, I was a Com Game cynic, but now I love it. I'll tell you why I love it. I mean, it's, you know, it's this sort of false equivalence. Oh, it's not the, it's not the Olympic Games, but. I don't think anybody thinks it is the Olympic Games. It's a like, fantastic... We we know Adam Lambert is not Freddie Mercury, but he still puts out a decent show, right? So within that competition, and people want to talk about its colonial roots, you can step out of that. You know, you can, you can isolate it as the friendly games, you know, the peaceful games. So within that competition, you've still got world-class running fields like we saw on the men's 1500 with Ollie Hall. Um, you've still got almost match races in the pool. Mm. Molly O'Callaghan knocks off the Queen Absolutely. in Emma McKeon. You know, so these are the stories that emerge from the games. You go, this is interesting. Try telling Disco Wilson it doesn't matter. Lawn bowls, it doesn't feature in the Olympic mm. Games. This is a big meet for them. So likewise, the netballers, the squash players. You know, sports that don't feature in the Olympics, this is almost the pinnacle of their tournaments. And yeah. for most of the athletics and swimming teams, which are the teams we inevitably focus on most once the Olympic Games come yeah. around. Most athletes have their first games experience at a Com Games. 
I think Ariane Titmus having that experience in 2018 mm. led to yes the 24 months she had after that, beating Ledecky, breaking world records, and being ready for Tokyo when she really could put her name up in the lights around the world. And now she's a global superstar. And maybe the same thing will happen to the 15-year-old Canadian Summer McIntosh. Oh, I think you might she, be onto something she's there. Or maybe good. the 19-year-old Molly O'Callaghan. Yeah, well, Molly's a star. She's already a star, isn't she? Mm. Well, yeah, she will Dave be. Said, you know, she's she a star on the making. The she's well and truly arrived. Mm. Another one from the Dean Boxall stables yeah. too, Molly. So, like I said, he might He's need a new hip, hip flexor if Ariane and, and Molly start winning the Olympic Games in Paris 2024. Next to each other. Yes, quite okay. possibly. All right, hit me. Let's go under Number one, mm. the New South Wales government are crazy to make South's stay-at-home push. Uh, well, as Simon was crazy. saying, you know, venues New South Wales are basically trying to hold South to a contract, but... You know, they're doing it to protect that asset because they said he feels they feel funny about it being labelled the white elephants of Southsco. Then what's the venue actually for? You know, it doesn't have weekly use. What What have you paid for this but brand new stadium? Correct. For? So why wouldn't you shift in the, and I'll say it, natural tenants, yes. previous tenants? Yeah. To a, a team playing, you know, 20, 30 kilometres away from where they're mm. actually supposedly based. Just madness. Anyway, okay. So I got an agree out of you. I don't get too many of those. Yep. Number two, if I was Isaiah Papali, <laughs> I'd be regretting signing with the Tigers. You know, that's a difficult one. Um, disagree. Disagree. I mean, he made the decision. He would have thought about it, albeit a year out. Mm-hmm. You know, he said, oh, you know, Michael Maguire. But you got he would have known. Anybody saying, oh, I signed with the Tigers thinking that Michael Maguire would be coach, it's not as though they didn't see the writing on the wall. Yes. So if, if that's their excuse, then it's a foolish decision on their behalf. On that but, side of things, looking at the, the management and the, well, disrepair that club on the field is falling into, hmm. is there any incentive to go? There? I mean, Appy Cor- I mean, the no, roster I, I admittedly that, is looking better for next season. Know, it's it's a good club. It's, it's a well-followed club. It's a popular club in Sydney. Mm. I mean, Sheens is one of the smartest coaches we've seen. Who knows how good Benji might be? Uh, You know, Dewey's a good player. And yeah, who's the fullback? Dave Laurie's a good player. They've got some good young players. And then, you know, I hate this term, but the right blend of youth and experience. You get somebody like Pabali. You get get Coruscant, as you mentioned. You know, there's some... I think there's a kernel of a good football team a few years down the track. I think there's plenty of upside to go to the Tigers. You know, the main thing about building a good football team is retaining players. Mm. And there are already whispers that Jackson Hastings is going to be squeezed out. Is that is that well, how I'd, a good football club is run? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of whispers out there. You know, I, I think know a lot of it depends, too, on what happens to Luke Brooks. I have a feeling Newcastle will go hard after Luke Brooks again. Um, Tim Sheens is saying, no, he's part of the future. But who knows? I mean, th- those things can change in an instant in this game, as you know. Uh, I, for one, think Brooks has to go. He just needs a new, needs a new environment. Ten years, no finals. Be the right say move change for the as good as it, you know, could be the right move for everybody. Yeah, absolutely, could not agree more. So I got, Do I agree. got to disagree there, didn't I? To the initial Probably, statement. Yeah. yeah, you wouldn't be regretting it. No, oh, you, you might think about it, but you know what? Stand by the decisions you make, mm. right? So he was signed on pretty low money, and yes. he was probably the best value buyer, uh, one of the best value buyers of the NRL last season. So he signed on, on pretty low money. So a next contract was going to be pretty big. If the Tigers are going to come big at you and you say yes, well then mm. suck it up. 
dire regret going, no, but you're getting paid for it, mate. Fair point. Okay. I think I might get an... Oh, I'm definitely going to get a Don't Don't preempt. Here. Let me I'm tell you this about preempting, here. right? Because for years I hosted trivia nights. And I was always told, never say, oh, this is an easy one. This is a hard one. Because mm-hmm. you might say, you know, who's the Queen of England? And half the teams might write, you know, Victoria. <laughs> Whereas, you know, name the 13 countries whose gross domestic product. Is, and people get like 10 out of 13. I said, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Cam Smith going to live wouldn't affect his legacy. Oh, I disagree. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> would. They go, oh, yeah, you know, he short, was great, a great golfer and a wonderful short game, and no one gets up and down and 100 metres better than Cam Smith, and he's, he's lifted the claret jargon of it. You know, he'd be known as, but week in, week out, no, he can't defend his players because he's playing some no-cut 54-hole tournament. And Can I preface God knows that? Where. I don't know how long the contract he's going to sign for is, but I think if this, if the PGA don't budge, and they play hardball, and they have the DP World Tour with them as well. Which I think they this. Currently do, yeah. I think this live golf is going to fall down fairly quickly. And well, I not, know they've got the money in the backing, but if they but they cannot, won't back it forever. If right? they and exactly, if they can't draw the big plays consistently, which they're yet to do, and it's yet to be seen if they're able to do, but if they're not able to attract the biggest names, the Rory McIlroys, Colin Morikawa's. Justin Thomas, John Rams, John yeah. Rams, yeah. which they've so far been unable to do, then it's all going to fall over. Cam Smith will be the biggest name. It'll in be that huge tour, coup in, in that, tour, well, on that uh, tour for a couple of reasons. Number two, yet major winner uh, at his peak, maybe not even at his peak, um, but he's the players' champion. Yeah, which is the tournament for the, the PGA, yes. right? Because they don't run the majors, so that is their tournament. So that'd be quite the coup if they were to get him. But yes, you know, the, the public investment fund, they've got as much money as they want, but they're not going to sustain it forever. They want this thing to be up and running, become self-sustainable. That depends on sponsors and it depends on a broadcast deal, which they currently don't have. News coming out today as well from Evan Priest that they're expected to have three here in Australia international tournaments down here in Australia mm. as part of that tour next year, which will be interesting. Okay, I usually take you in a food direction. I'm going to take you in a fashion direction with you oh, tonight. God, no. Tennis fashion mm. will suffer after the evolution of Serena. Will suffer? Will well, suffer. that's assuming that you think what she brought to the court was, was good. I mean, the well, cat suit, there's the cat suit know, thing. It's and fashion. It's, an, it's a matter of opinion. I'm asking your opinion. No, you know what? There's always going to be someone else that comes along. There's always going to. So I'll say disagree. I think there's always somebody else that comes along. I mean, Serena made it her own. I get that. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's the, the red cap at Wimbledon. Maybe Wimbledon will allow coloured clothing. Somehow I can't see that happening. As they have since the 80s. Anyway. What's that? Coloured clothing? Really? Well, you know, there's sort of little streaks of, you know, streaks of blue and whatever. Andre wearing blue wristbands at Wimbledon. Well, he refused to play Wimbledon because they wouldn't allow him to That's wear the right. fluoro and the, the Nike That's denim right. shorts. And the, and then he won. Then he entered Wimbledon. Well, he Two years later, dominant. he won. He won yeah. the thing. Absolutely. Okay, final one before yep. we hang up. Manchester, I'm going to go to football. Manchester City will win the Premier League and the Champions League this season. Oh, gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know it's the not Premier League, but uh, I don't know. Premier League, who are the big threats? Probably Liverpool, but, you know, Harland is the, yes. the signing, if they think. Oh, I can't see anyone beating them. No. They go back to back. So, yep, I'll tick them for the EPL. Um, as for the Champions League, that's really difficult to say. That's really difficult to say. 
because there's luck involved. In so much luck, in, so much luck involved. But who who are the big threats though? Who are the big threats? Liverpool, absolutely. I think no, in, top, cha- in Champions League. In Champions League, Real Madrid are perennially. They're pretty good. Um, other than that, City shouldn't be matched. Paris Saint-Germain, but they've never won one, just as City never have. And big, big fish, small pond. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. which is part of the problem. Uh, Bayern have fought well this summer, but they've lost Robert Lewandowski, mm. who's been their star man. It's, again, and it looked like this last season for City. It looked like the year that they'd finally get it done, and they should get it done, because their squad is easily the best in Europe. They're playing against the highest level of opposition on a week-in, week-out basis from around the continent. So, absolutely. But the same was said last year. And it's, there is so much luck involved over two legs. Yeah. And sadly, I can't say Man United because they're not playing in the Champions League. Absolutely. Yeah. So Europa all the way, baby. Thank you, mate. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. That is the text line number. And the open line number, one three hundred zero one eleven seventy. We'll get to those after a break. Welcome back to the program this Wednesday night. one three hundred zero one eleven seventy is the text line number. Did you see the footage of Harry Kane on his Twitter? He's uh, the great uh, England and Spurs striker, just walking out Lords, a packed Lords, and he said, this is like a highlight of my career. He's got the phone on. I think it might have been for the start of the 100, I think, from memory. But, yeah, Harry Kane. So check it out. I like it when the two worlds collide with football and cricket. one three hundred zero one eleven seventy to the open line we go. Uh, g'day, Darren. Hi, Julian. How are you? I'm really well, mate. Really well. Uh, that's good. Just driving home from work, and I heard you talking about the South I am a massive South supporter and yes. a member. Yep. A um, couple of years, uh, not sure if it was last year or the year before, the member, there was actually a member survey done, and most of the, more members wanted to stay at Homebush than go back to Allianz. Is that right? What, do you know what the split was on that, Daz? No, I don't. I, it's that long ago, I can't remember, but I, I do remember more wanted to stay at Homebush. And the other thing is, like, I live out here at Ingleburn, and quite a number of our members live out, like, out west, yeah. sort of out, out west. Like, mm. you know, everyone says, oh, all the memberships in the Heartland are Redfern. Well, that's not really true. I mean, it's spread, spread far and wide. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I would go and watch house play anywhere yeah, um, if I've got the time. At the moment, with work, it's a bit hard. But, you know, I would go anywhere. But... Um, Acor is pretty good for me because it's you know a lot, lot easier to get to for me than than um, Allianz is. But you know I'm just surprised that they didn't listen to what the members wanted personally. It's it, well a couple of things here. Firstly, it's a matter of convenience. You talked about it's easier to get to Allianz. Can I just say that for me it's much I live out Parramatta way. It's much easier for me, not that I'm a Souths fan, to get to Allianz than it is to the football stadium. But if you ask me where would I rather watch my team play, I'd, I'd forget about the convenience. I would pick the better venue. Uh, interestingly, what did you vote, Daz? Did you vote on that? Yeah, I voted to stay at Homebush. Yeah, okay. But it, it wouldn't bother you a great deal if you had to go back to the football stadium? Well, no. I mean, I'd done it for, you know, exactly. however many years we were there before. Yeah. So, yeah. and I've always lived out in, well, I lived, closer to Cabramatta back in them days yeah. but for a lot of it but you know I mean I've never lived in the Redfin area but it's just something that's been um, I've grown up with all my family have gone for South and 
Barney used to brag she carried me through the gates at Redfern when I was three weeks old back in 1975. <laughs> and we were the first ones through that year. So, you know, it's just something that's been in my blood in my family. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it funny you talked about a lot of the members, they assume they live around Redfern. No, that, is, that hasn't been true for a lot of clubs for a long time, you know. And it's not uncommon for sporting organisations to spin it that way. You know, they have a broad base. You know, and it is generational, isn't it? I mean, I ended up... I was born in Brisbane, Daz, moved to Darwin, then moved to the North Shore of Sydney, but somehow I'm a Dragons fan. Oh, that's a story for another day, but, you know, it's interesting. Hey, listen, Daz, Rabbitohs, yep. I mean, I don't, would yep. you say the Eels are your bogey team? How are you going to go on the weekend? Uh, well, we've won the last five against them, so I think we're a pretty good chance of beating them on Friday night. Yeah, I think so. It's it's a fascinating lineup, actually. Fascinating matchup. Be really interested to see how this plays out. And I see Homo Sele too, former Dragon, good player. I'm glad yeah, to see him he, back in the he's side. He's done pretty well for us, I think. Yeah, he was a good player. Good luck to the Bunnies. Yep. Thank you, mate. All Thank right. You. Speak soon. One three hundred zero one eleven seventy. G'day, Mark. Hey, Jules. Yeah, Darren brings up a good point there. Um, like the team that we support, uh. I, I would say that the support at Congra games have been terrible this year for the Dragons. It's been woeful. Yeah. Even the attendance for, um, you know, Johnny Raper, Norm Proven. You know what? I, I, I'll say this. I'll upset a few Dragons fans, but I've went to Red V forums and back in the day, and they were a waste of time. But there's a few redneck Congra people there, but they don't vote with their feet. and. No. Eventually, eventually, I, I can see that there'll be, say, three games in Cogra and, and they'll all, all come to Wollongong. Because, mm. like Darren said, and I took my daughter to a membership signing for the Rabbits a couple of weeks ago, people don't live there. No. And, and to, to buy a house, a young family to buy a house in Cogra, say, and Redfern isn't the suburb Redfern was 30 years ago. No. It's, it's actually quite nice. It's all gentrified. So, no, no, no more working-class demographic in that part of the world. No. All, all, all you notice is those, you know, a few housing commission blocks, you know, which, which is fine. But, yeah. but, yeah, it's not the place it used to be. So, But having said that, like you said, Julian, Acor is good, but after... If I was a Rabbitohs, I'd go to Combank. That's where I play my games. Yeah. That's exactly where I play them because I tell you, after going to Suncorp this year to see the Dragons play, where the where the cheap seats were just brilliant yeah. compared to the cheap seats at Acor, it's, it's chalk and cheese. It's it is. And it is. part of the part of the stadium stuff up is what they did with Acor. That that should have been their first priority is to square that off and make that a lot better than what it is and put a roof on the bugger as well while they were at it. You but know, anyway, life, the stuff. Yeah, live football viewing is a clincher for me. Uh, and like I said to Darren, even yeah. though it's, you know, I can jump on the M4 and, and be at Stadium Australia in 10, 15 minutes, it's no problem. But I just, I don't like going there. You're just so far from the action. It's no. so cavernous. It's, it's devoid of atmosphere. I would travel the extra distance yeah. uh, to have a state-of-the-art custom-built stadium you know, just for the fan day experience. Well, I, I went to the Dragons Parramatta pre-COVID, and it was brilliant. Combank, yeah, West, what it yeah, was, I was there when. And, and, and yeah, and that's where uh, that Parramatta just were pulling tries out of their was. Actually, we scored a great try that day. But Duff, was that, just... it was Dufty, I think, wasn't it? Um, Dufty, that yeah, was the, yeah. Yes, and, uh, 
Ravalala, but yeah, then Sivo did his stuff. But um, he rolled over Duffy. It was brilliant. Wasn't it? <laughs> and, and the thing is, it comes back to the same thing. Look, it's going to be a great stadium at Moore Park, but parking's still going to be horrendous. Yep. It's like, yeah. So the, the stadium policy is just a shambles, mate. It's just a, it's just a shambles. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, uh, I, I, I think this is me. I, I think the future is uh, not dissimilar to what Volandi said about sort of boutique uh, banquets or combanks as they are now. You know, a couple of those around the city and shared custodianship of the venue. I think that's probably. And then once in a blue moon, you go back to that that suburban ground like your Leichhardt's, for example. Yeah, well, honestly, I think one of the ones that they missed out on is they should have bought, built one of them in Liverpool. They talked about Canterbury, it. Would it yeah. cater for, for West Tigers? Yep. And, and I'm he- I'm hearing from pretty good that, that the West Tigers are going holes, bowlers, Campbelltown next year. They're playing three at Leichhardt and nine at Campbelltown. Mm. Mm. So, which, you know, which is part of it. They haven't got an identity. No. Well, I'd, GWS have got that issue at the moment too, Mark. They're talking about oh, Canberra game. They're talking about, you know, what's... Don't Now, oh, why don't we play a few at the Sydney Creek Grant? Hang on, what? What? Mate, thank you, Julian. This GWS, what a failure. What an absolute failure. They, they want to be Canberra. They want to be GWS. What a ridiculous name that is. And let's face it, um, the, the games they get eight or 9,000 there is when they play Essendon and Collingwood somewhere. It, it, come on. It's just... Yeah. The, the, really, really, in hindsight, the AFL types, and, you know, they always bite out of their trumpet, but... um. The money they spent on the Gold Coast and GWS, and no wonder the Tasmanians are up in arms. Fair income. Yeah, like, oh, Tas- it's an outrage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, pick your geography and then work a strategy around that. You know, centre of excellence, uh, Wood Out of Black, and then they start coming a bit close to the city, a bit close to the city. You know, you've got to go yeah, all in. Yeah, in the end, in the, in the end, it's just like a. Yeah, they'll end up just being nomads and. Yeah, the AFL are too pompous, and, and, and the amount of spin, they're the best spin doctors in the world. But I must say, since the Landys has got in there, they have quietened down. And, um, yeah, anyway, thank you. Of course. Anyway. I'll finish this. The fact that you've got one bloke who's never played the game before in Israel Falau, then the next year can play the top tier of a sport, it just tells you the skill factor in the sport, <laughs> and that has never been done. That, well, you, you name you name me another game in the world where someone from another sport can go to the top tier straight away. Yeah, not one sport can do that. The well, it's all about guys. bums on Please, seats, Julian. you know. Kevin Sheedy felt that was a worthwhile investment. Hey, before I let you go, mate, uh, Raiders game. What are you thinking? Is it a good time to oh, get him with mate. all this, this this Ricky Stewart oh. stuff happening, do you reckon? Well, I did go to the Ewan Aitken's debut in 2015. We were down 18-0 and won that game. Yes. But, um, yeah, we've sort of broken the curse over the years. But this will be an attitude game for the Dragons. Let's see where the attitude's at. I don't, I don't want to give um, up. You know, yeah, life support, mathematical, but no, no, stranger no. things have happened. Play to win. You've still got... No, you and don't. then your last three games at Gold Coast, Tigers and Brisbane, they are all winnable. Well, Julian, like we've said before, mate, this is where we thought we'd be. Yeah. So, you know, we were fifth. I, I don't want to be a, a but we were fifteenth two years ago. We were twelfth last year after a barbecue incident. Yeah. If we can come, if we come tenth, 
it's small steps. Would I thought the young blokes would have come on a bit more? Yeah. 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 But, yeah, small steps for the Dragons. Yeah. Anyway, well, Julian, I've taken up too much time. No, nah, it's mate. all right, mate. This is, you know, I basically clear the decks for you at about 11 o'clock every Wednesday night. Oh, no, nah, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it, was good, it was good to hear Darren there. I've heard him a lot of times. Yeah, he's a Mad South fan. I just want passionate fans. He reminds me of... Reminds me of being a different colour, but um, yes. as Jimmy would say, good afternoon, good, good evening, evening, and, and good, night. good night. Good on you, Mark. Thank you, mate. I'm trying going to try and make it down to Wollongong actually Sunday the 21st because that's a start of the next round of the NRLW. I think there's a double header actually: Dragons, Titans in the women's, and then the men's. Uh, so I might call up old mate Sowie see if he can't hook us up a couple of tickets. And, yes, Question for you, please, and for Mark if he's still listening: Would you be open? Because I'm of the opinion Cogger is the worst ground in the comp to watch football. I, I like the I like the history of it and, you know, you go out there and you see all the old players and all the immortal statues outside. But in terms of when you actually get into the ground, mm. it is shocking. If you're oh, not no, up in I, one of the... That's a bit harsh. If, it's if it's if a round not, ground, which is an issue, granted. Mm. But no, I, I would never say it's the worst ground. Don't ask me what the worst ground would you, is. Would you be open to moving to Allianz? Playing your Sydney games at... At the new football stadium? Uh, you know what? The Dragons have played out of there. Mm. Uh, funny story, actually. You mentioned that. Well, the Dragons played out of there, I think, 01, 02, 03, or maybe it was 2000, 2001, 2002. Now, I remember being at a game, and I'm trying to corroborate this, and I'm sure during halftime, and I f- have a feeling it was a game against Newcastle. It was a short kick, a high-scoring game, and the Dragons were down, they came back. Joey carving him up, but... I have a feeling that at halftime, Olivia Newton-John came out to sing One-Eyed Dragon Supporter, which is a song they tried to sort of, you know, in the joint early years of the joint venture, tried to get off the ground. They said, no, we're not having a bar of that. It's so when the Saints go marching in. And I, I, I'm pretty sure, unless my memory is playing tricks on me, I am sure it was Olivia Newton-John. I'm a One-Eyed Dragon supporter was the song. Come on, everybody. And they had the words up on the screen so you could sing along, you know, like karaoke, the little bouncing ball. If any Dragons fans out there listening tonight uh, know what I'm talking about, uh, either tell me I'm right or tell me I'm dreaming. I'm going to say it was a game against Newcastle. It was a Saturday night, I'm pretty sure. It was definitely a night game. So I'm going to guess Saturday night. I'll say Newcastle. Something about Newcastle jumps out. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, right? And I think it was Olivia Newton-John that came out to try and sing that song, One-Eyed Dragon Supporter. 0457-736-736-1300-01-1170. Back to your question about what I would be open to shifting to, like I said, a Bank Westie, I keep calling Bank West, Combank style stadium with a few games. But you know what? I think you're going to start probably, if anything, you'd probably move into Wollongong and keep that Mm. as a permanent base. But, you know, you'd annoy the Dragons. No, look, you've got to split them between the two, don't you? Mm. Yeah. Anyway. I'm going to get down to Wollongong in a couple of weeks' time. 0457 736 736. We'll take a break. Can't think of any place I'd rather be on a Wednesday night than here in the studio talking to you all, talking all things sport. 0457 736 736. Now, I did say at the top of the show, and you would have been across this news about Live Golf and this decision in a San Jose court, a federal court by Judge Beth Freeman, who made a ruling against a temporary restraining order. Uh, so basically three... Live Golf Series plays. Taylor Gooch, Matt Jones and Hudson Swafford wanted to say, you know what? We're appealing this ban by the PGA Tour. We want to play in the FedEx. And the judge says, I'm not too bad. Sorry. I'm sorry, but we're denying your request. 
to lift that temporary restraining order, which would allow you to play in the PGA Tour's FedEx playoffs. Good. And said, look, their argument was that if we didn't, we would suffer irreparable harm if they weren't allowed to play. And that is the legal standard that you need to secure a temporary restraining order. And the judge says, well, no, I disagree. I don't think you will suffer from irreparable harm. And the quote was as follows. It appears to the court that the live contracts negotiated by players and consummated between the parties were based upon the players' calculation of what they would be leaving behind and the amount the players would need to monetize to compensate for those losses, Judge Freeman said. I do agree with the PGA Tour that those losses were well known to the players at the time and clearly monetized. Key point. They knew what they were getting themselves into. That's the bottom line. So citing this inability of the live guy was to prove irreparable harm in their case, Judge Freeman added, well, the evidence shows that it seems almost without a doubt that they'll be earning more than they have made and could reasonably have expected to make in a reasonable amount of time under the PGA. So why are they doing this? This decision now gives the PGA Tour its first clear win over Live Golf. But this is only the beginning. Because the legal stash between the tools, that, that'll continue as this, I guess, broader antitrust or competition lawsuit is still to be decided. And the PGA Tour stated in its motion, despite knowing full well that they would breach tour regulations and be suspended for doing so, Plaintiffs have joined Competition Golf League Live Golf, which has paid them tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money supplied by Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund to procure the breaches. And now they run to court, seeking a mandatory injunction to force their way into the season-ending FedEx playoffs, an action that would harm tour members that actually do follow the rules. The antitrust laws do not allow plaintiffs to have their cake and eat it too. That is bang on. It is just laughable. So Taylor Gooch said he signed up for the Live London event thinking the PGA Tour wouldn't actually suspend him. You took that one on trust, didn't you, Taylor? I suspect he was told by someone within the Live organisation that a suspension wouldn't hold up in court anyway. Well, he's wrong. He's wrong to date. And the PGA Tour lawyer made the argument that Live players have made more money in the past two months playing Live than they have their entire careers. So bearing that in mind, it's a bit hard to say the PGA is controlling the marketplace if they're earning more outside of it. You know, so much for anti-competition. The very birth of livers caused the PGA to react by increasing this prize money. That is pro-competition. You know, and the other thing there is that they... The hearing shone a bit of light on the nature of the live contracts. So we didn't know this. But Judge Freeman revealed this, saying that the live contracts lock up these players in ways the PGA Tour never imagined. Apparently, they're highly restrictive. So think about that. So much for free agency. So much for free agency. And this is what you're going to love this. The live lawyer called Matt Jones, Taylor Gooch, and Hudson Swaffham Swafford, these three poor kids who've made a combined $36 million in their careers on the PGA Tour. So an average of 12 mil each. And apparently, they're poor kids. And then Judge Freeman used Liv's projected success against Liv. So basically, this is what they're saying. How can you project, as Liv are doing, 20% market share and yet still call the PGA Tour a monopoly if you've got 20% market share? And then the judge confirmed that Liv players, they have an obligation to wear Liv-related material when playing in tournaments. That's another stipulation of the contract. 
and then Liv released a statement after the decision saying, we're disappointed that Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford and Matt Jones won't be allowed to play golf. No one gains by banning golfers from playing. Well, guess what? They're welcome to fly down under and tee it up at Barnwell Park. And they actually could have played Singapore if they wanted to. That's what Jed Morgan and Patrick Reed are doing. Just go away. Go away. Uh, this is not what it seems to be. The players are locked in. They've got obligations to the Saudi regime now. So I hope Cameron Smith thinks long and hard about a move there. I really do. And suggestions are that he will go after the President's Cup. If he does, I'll be deeply disappointed. Deeply disappointed. He'll destroy his leg legacy. No question about that. Because he was asked about a prospective move to live. He said, oh, I've got no comment. I'm here to play the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's what I'm here to do. And he said, I'm here to win it. It'll come from me. It won't come from Cameron Percy. Now, Cameron Percy, just a bit of background, had told Aussie Radio yesterday that Smith was as good as gone. So from Cameron, Smith, that is, a non-denial denial. And as I said, it would be quite the coup for Liv. But anyway, a lot more to play out in this ugly stoush. We'll take a break. That is us done and dusted for a Wednesday night. Thank you, everybody. Short, sharp and sweet for your company this evening. Thank you to the Mad Rush and thank you to Simon McLaughlin as well. Back to do it all again on Friday for Higher Ground. I'm Jules. Catch you then. Bye-bye.